kind of like being divorced in a sense, right? And and having your parents or having your ex and your kids move to a completely different location. You see them very rarely. Yeah, basically what it is, uh, you leave your gun and badge and your credentials in the office. The only thing you're out there with is your your fake ID. That's the only thing you're out there with. Uh, the only contact with with your agency is with your contact agent and maybe your supervisor. That's your that's your that's your contact. Uh, my family was across lived across the country uh, when I went when I started the uh, the operation in New York. Uh, when you say across the country, we're talking uh, West Coast then? Yeah. Yeah. They lived, they, you know, the operation started in New York and they, they were out West. Yeah. I mean, for our listeners, just think about that. Think about the dedication and the sacrifice it takes that you're leaving. You got three kids, you got your wife, um, and you're leaving them. You're not leaving them in another part. You, you, you know, you're working in New York city and they're across the river in Jersey. You got them on the other side of the freaking country. I mean, you got birthdays, you got family events, you got all the things that we all enjoy doing. I missed. Just, I missed everything. Yeah, you can't do a thing. I'll tell you a story. Uh, in my residence, where my family was living, we had a, a hello phone mm-hmm. for when I did get home. I because once you're in with these guys, you have to maintain contact all the time. So. Uh, Whenever I would get home, which would be every maybe five, six months, I'd get home. Uh, I'd tell them they thought I had a girlfriend in California. So I, you know, I say, hey, I'm going to go visit my girlfriend in California. Well, I'd have to go to California and then take a plane uh, to where my family was. So. My youngest daughter was making her uh, her communion, so I'm um, I'm home, and I get a call from New York, and it's uh, you got to get to Miami, you got to be in Miami uh, at the airport at X time to pick us up. We're coming in to do a piece of work. So now my daughter's making her communion. I got to be in Miami the next morning. That means I got to take a red eye from where I am to get to Miami. I got to leave my I got to leave my daughters and not make the communion. I do that. I get to Miami. <clears throat> I go to the airport. The flight comes in, and they're not on it. So I call New York, and I say, what the F is going on? I'm at the airport. Nobody's here. Oh, it got canceled. And you don't, you don't call and tell me? Well, we figured you'd been in Miami. You know, you, you, you're in Miami anyway, so, you know. And what they were doing, they were they were going down there to hit somebody, you know, clip somebody, and the hit got called off. So that's the stuff you got to put up with, you know. Uh, yeah, you, as you said it right, you said the life. If you live the life, I mean, that's 
24-7, right? Yeah, I mean, it's 24-7. I mean, you know, you, you uh, when you're in deep cover, you know, you, you don't take off the holidays, <laughs> You know, yeah, there's 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 no paid uh, time off. There's no weekends, you know, hey, yeah. but roll back a little bit because I uh, everybody I know on all of these podcasts, because you've been on a lot of them, they want to jump into the story. But I think one of the biggest untold stories, the toll it takes on you and the family is, is, you know, what's the conversation like with your wife when you're taking this assignment? And then as it keeps going on, I mean, how much harder does it get to keep the marriage together, the family together? that your kids even recognize you where you don't have to be fingerprinted and have your face, you know, taken off the back of a milk carton to prove that you are who you are. What, I mean, that, at what point did that really start weighing on you? Well, first of all, let me back up a little bit is that, uh, you can't go into these assignments to try to get away from anything. And what I mean by that is you can't go into these assignments because you don't like the squad you're working on. You don't get along with your squad mates. You don't like your supervisor. Uh, you're having problems with your spouse or your mate or whoever. Uh, so you don't go into these assignments because you're running away from something because it just gets worse. So I was in, I took these assignments uh because my wife knew that I loved what I was doing. And when I say, but I loved the FBI, I loved working. Uh, I was good at undercover. Uh, the, the difference between, I think between, and I don't, you know, I'm not blowing my horn, but I think the difference between me and a lot of undercovers, I didn't fall in love with working undercover. I just was good at it. You know what I mean? Uh, anytime an operation was over, for me, it was over. Uh, that's just the way I operated. And I went on to, you know, to the next assignment. Was I know, so you talk about how you're able to kind of distance yourself from it, but isn't there a danger, though, is that some people become addicted to the life they like, the kind of power, the money that's flashed around? The, the perks that you get, the respect that you get, you know, doors open for you. I mean, some people, like you say, become addicted to the perks that go with it instead of realizing that that's just part of the job. Your job is to be the UC. It's not to be the one, you know, the bad guy in training. Right. Exactly. Uh, and I think I, I, I think a lot of it has to do with, like, like I said before, is where I grew up, you know, uh, I grew up around this life, so it wasn't anything that was, you know, uh, was anonymous for me. You know, uh, I seen I seen what these guys could do, what they did, and I wasn't kicked in the ass about, you know, about being a gangster. Uh, and I think, yeah, a, a lot of a lot of undercovers get lost in that. You know, uh, they like the idea that they're they're on their own, they're out, they're this, you know. Uh, they're so not reporting to anybody, uh, et cetera. Uh, but uh, look, that I, I'd rather, I, I much would have rather have been home, but I wasn't. So, uh, and that, that is a problem. You know, you get it, you get a guy or a gal that, you know, that, that grew up clustered. Well, you know, you put him out there, uh, in a big city or 
uh, with the with the flash and the cash. <clears throat> Give you an example. When I first started, I had a Cadillac. Right, I bought a I bought a Cadillac. Once I got in, now I'm living in New York City. Uh, once I got in with these guys, I sold my Cadillac. I sold my car. And they said, Donnie, why, you know, I mean, I gave the car back to the FBI, but, you know, they said, I told them, hey, I, you know, I'm selling this car. Why? Well, number one, it's costing me, you know, at that time, 200 and some dollars a month to put it in the garage under my apartment. When I come downtown, I got to fight for a parking space somewhere. What the hell do I need a car for? I don't go anywhere. If I need a car, you know, I'll borrow one. Oh, no, hell, you got the skills. You'll just go steal one. You're good at that. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> but what I'm saying is that how many undercovers are going to sell their car? Right. Or say they sold their car. Did they want to buy it from you? Any of those guys? No, huh? No. If they did, I would have sold it to them because it was in my name. So <laughs> we, we you got to pay for your own training, got to pay for right. your own apartment, got to pay for your own UC. Did they actually hey. pay you at the FBI or did you just work for free all those years? <laughs> in the beginning, almost for free. Believe me. You know, yeah. back in the day, when I say back in the day, <clears throat> you didn't get paid. They didn't get paid for, for working holiday, you know, undercover. Look. You're working undercover. You're working in deep cover. So you're working seven days a week. You're working around the clock. You didn't get paid for weekends. You didn't get paid for holidays. You just got your regular regular pay. And then finally, actually, it was it was it was my contact guy uh, who was an MIT graduate. So you know he had some brains, right? He he said this is BS, you know. So he did research and he found out. This is not a government, uh, you know, uh, uh, mandate. This is an FBI thing. So he got it where when you worked undercover, if you worked a holiday, you got paid for the holiday or, you know. Uh, but before that, no, you just you got your regular salary, no matter how many hours you worked. And when you were working then, I know that they have what they call AUO now, administratively uncontrolled overtime, an extra 25%. Did you get it back when you were working in the day? Yeah, you got it. Yeah, sure. Okay. Yeah. Right, so, but but really the setup for this, what was the hardest part uh, during that six years? Was it the first six months, the middle of it, the last, in terms of the impact for the family and for you? Probably near the end. Uh, my wife was in a in a real bad car accident. Um, it was about uh, the year before the operation ended, and uh, she was hanging on there for a while. Uh, and uh, I wanted to I wanted to. Uh, uh, just get out of the operation. Uh, but, you know, there was, we, we were, we were so close to everything because I had infiltrated to the point where nobody had infiltrated before I was, 
you know, a well-respected member of the Bananos. Um, so <clears throat> I, I continued in, in the operation, but it was the last year. Yeah. That's tough. And was she still on the other coast? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. She was still, you know, a few thousand miles away. Yeah. None of the kids were involved in the accident, were they? No. Huh? Man, no. So uh, how did you handle that? Well, in the beginning, not too good, you know. I mean, I was ready to just chuck it uh, because I had three three kids and, you know, she was hanging on and uh, uh, it was tough. It was tough. Who convinced you to hang in there? Well, one of the uh, individuals I had, you know, it's funny how you get, you get some, some friends that tell you, F it, forget it. These are in a bureau, you know, and then there's a couple uh, that say you got to hang in because of how far we are and, you know, a, B, C, and D, and uh, so you got both. You know, you, you get tongue from both sides. Yeah. Was was the decision was the decision ultimately yours to make, or was that made by headquarters to say, "Look, you're staying on the op. You're staying on." No, the it, no, it was mine. It was mine. Yeah, yeah. That's one thing I can say about the FBI. I mean, when I was in, you know, I mean, uh, and I was involved in the undercover program. It was strictly up to the undercover whether, when they wanted to get out, when they wanted to get out. Yeah. I mean, like I said, I haven't been involved in the program now for a while, so I don't know what the hell they do. Uh, but uh, when I was involved, it was it was the agent's decision whether he or she wanted to get out of the operation. When you were, so you grew up over in, in Jersey, and and now when you're working undercover, did you ever run into anybody you grew up with that was part of the one of the families? No, actually, I never grew up with any. I mean, I never uh, ran into anybody that I uh, that I grew up with. Although a couple of the guys that I grew up with turned out to be made guys later on in life because their fathers were made guys. Uh, but I never ran. I never ran into them when. Uh, when I was under, uh, because, you know, these guys kind of stay to their own territory. Uh, the Jersey guys don't, you know, don't invade New York. Uh, or if you're in Brooklyn, you know, very seldom do you go outside of Brooklyn, you know, you don't go, or you didn't back in the day. Uh, you didn't, you didn't go carousing in Manhattan. I mean, that's the way it was back in the day. Yeah. It, it, everybody, one of the reasons we're not just diving in, hey, let's tell the story, because I know you've told the same story a thousand times. We wanted to get just a little bit yeah. of a different take on this, too, because, look, everybody knows uh, the whole process you went through. Everybody knows Johnny Depp played you in the movie, right? But it's what it's the other stuff that a lot of people don't realize, and that's kind of what we wanted to dig into, is that during this time, when did you, did you ever have a doubt yourself that you were crossing the line? Is that, hey, look... Um, I'm, I'm buying in too much into my own legend, into my own UC role that I need to step back. Did Was there ever a time to where you had that kind of thought? No, there wasn't. Uh, and Why not? 
because I think, well, not that I think, because it, it, it's, it's the way I think. Uh, I have, you know, I stay focused on the task at hand and, uh, I have that. And again, you know, it, you know, I say, well, you know, you, you're patting yourself on the back, but Hey, I've, you know, I did this for 27 years, you know, uh, I have that mental toughness that when I, when I want to do something, I do it. Uh, and I, I look, I, I, I know that I know the lines that I, that I, that I belong in. And, uh, but the answer is no, I, I, I never once thought about, boy, this is a good life to get into, you know, uh, cash and dash and, you know, no, uh, how, I always how did you was handle able it? to, I'm sorry. How did you handle it though? When you were presented, when they, did they ever try and test you by having you do stuff to say, look, if you're really one of us, you're going to go out and do this, clip a guy or, you know, break a guy's legs or do anything like that. Was there any ever kind of test of your, uh, loyalty? Well, you know, look, <laughs> you don't infiltrate the mafia and not, and not do some stuff that's outside the law, you know, outside the land, the, the, the line. But you know what you're going to do and what you won't do, you know. I mean, I'm not going to clip somebody, you know, uh, just to prove myself, you know, in an undercover operation. I mean, that's that wasn't going to happen, you know. You, either you get out of it or you walk away from it, you know. Uh, other stuff that, you know, uh, that, that you do that's illegal – yeah, I you know, but it's not it's not hurting anybody. You know what I'm saying? Uh, that's why when you when you pick your you, when you pick your criminal profession, you can't say that you're a leg breaker because then you're going to expect to break legs. But you being that's, a car thief, it's like if you steal a car, hey, you know, it's like you say yeah. that's a very low low chance, you know, yeah. low risk crime. And and the, the reason the reason I went into into the the six-year one as a jewel thief is because you know not many jewel thieves are in a can for murder and plus it's a profession that you can do by yourself you don't need a gang uh to rob jewelry and uh you could always bring jewelry around and say that you pulled the heist out the airport or somewhere so like you said before morgan you know there's a lot of preparation that goes into a successful undercover operation. And a lot of times that's why uh, some agencies or some police departments aren't successful because they don't spend the time in the pre-preparation for the operation, maybe because they don't have the money. I mean, I spent, I, I, I went to jewelry school to learn about diamonds and precious gems. Right. I spent time with a... Did you have to a, pay for your own jewelry school, though? <laughs> no, the Bureau paid for that. Oh, thank God. All right. You know what I'm saying? So I learned about diamonds and precious gems. And when I felt comfortable, that's when we actually started the operation. You know, once... So, you know, that takes money. Uh, going out and, and getting a, a good apartment took money. Going, buying a car took money. And, you know, local agencies, they don't have that kind of money. You know, that's why they 
uh, you guys did a lot with local agencies, right, Steve, as far yeah. as you see, because you can bring got, in the resources that they can, yeah, but they've got the local in. knowledge. They got a lot of the local contacts. They know what's right. going on. Right. But speaking of preparing for this, doing the whole workup for this, how long do you estimate you took between like going to Joey's school, getting your uh, legend done, backstop, getting your stuff? How long did you prepare before you actually initiated this operation? Probably uh, four to four to six months, maybe. Wow. Maybe. Wow. <laughs> Both yeah. most more, but that's a lot of planning. I mean, you're talking it about is. putting, you, you want to take down a big organization. You want to go after people. You just can't do it by coming in one day and go, hey, I got this idea. Let's go do this. Okay, let's start tomorrow. Yeah. Uh, and don't forget, I couldn't say uh, that, hey, you know, I grew up in, in Queens. Yeah, where? And they go, you know, they go check, or I grew up in the Bronx. Uh, I had to be somebody from out of out of town, you know. Uh, I had to be somebody from Miami, uh, so I, you know, I knew Miami. I had to be somebody from California, you know. Uh, so you have to get all of that squared away, you know, exactly where you say you you were from, you know, if you if you're lucky enough to infiltrate. Remember, I didn't have an informant introduce me to anybody. This was cold, cold entry. So I had to connect with guys and get them to believe me and buy me. It wasn't where I had an informant say, hey, this is my cousin or this is, you know, this is a guy I knew. Or, uh, and <clears throat> and I wasn't flashing a lot of cash around. That wasn't, you know, that wasn't the style. I was just a, you know, a knock around guy uh, and that's it. And I just happened to, to be a guy that, uh, that stole jewelry, stole art. Uh, and that's, that's, that was my background. I didn't have an informant that, that brought me around. How know, long did it take me. you to, with that, you're like salespeople who cold call, you just pick up the phone, you got to dial for dollars, you know, smiling down. Did you have an idea where you wanted to target? Did you have an idea where you wanted to go? Or is it just one of those things? We know these guys are hanging out here, so I'm just going to go in here and we're going to start. Did you have any intelligence, I should say, or something like that before? And that says, hey, here's where we want to target. Here's where we want to go. Yeah, we had we had several bars and restaurants that we, that we knew that these people hung out. And and that was the idea. Go in, uh, have a drink, have a meal. And hopefully, get in uh, get in conversation. Uh, I probably did this for the first five five and a half months, six months. Never talked to anybody, but I knew the people that were there. You know what I mean? I knew that these 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 were these the right people, people to be hanging around. Yeah, these were the people, uh, and I was lucky enough that. Uh, uh, <clears throat> that uh, I made conversation with a bartender. And and that's another thing, too, is that uh, you have to know your enemy. You have to, you know, w when you're doing cold entries, uh, you got to know your enemy. Because if you don't know your enemy, you're not going to defeat your enemy, you know? So you have to, like, uh, like the mafia. Now, the mafia has rules and regulations. 
Some will get you killed. Some won't. And if you're an, if you're an undercover, it's good to know these <laughs> what their rules are to keep yourself alive and to, to help you infiltrate. Uh, so, you know, one of the rules is uh, you don't fool around with a maid guy's, you know, wife, daughter, or girlfriend. If you get caught, you know, if it's the wife or girlfriend or daughter and, you know, you're not doing the right thing, that'll get you killed, you know. Another thing is certain phrases, you know, how you how you talk, how you how you uh, phrase certain things, uh, lets them know uh, that you're a street guy. You know what's going on, and that's how, that's how I made my entry. What's an example of something like that? What, what's one of the ways that you talk to let people know you're you're the real deal? Okay, I'm hanging out in this Lucchese joint, right? Uh, <clears throat> once a week these guys would be in there and I don't remember if it was a Wednesday or Thursday with their girlfriends right and they all have dinner so I always would sit at, I'm at the bar all the time and uh, after a few weeks uh the whole the whole crew is there. One guy is missing. One guy's missing. But the girl he was with is is there. So I'm at the bar and uh this young lady gets up, goes to the ladies' room, comes back, stops by and says, Hi. I say hello. She walks by. Now the first thing I do is I I call a bartender over. Now, I know the bartender's name is Charlie, but I'd never been introduced to him. So I don't call him, hey, Charlie, come on over here, because I'd never been introduced to him. So I, I, I wave him over, and the first thing I say to him, I want to go on record. I didn't ask that young lady to stop and talk to me. I did not initiate conversation with her. Go on record is a is a mob term. Okay. <clears throat> so this happens maybe three three times, and each time I call him over and say the same thing, you know. So at least now he knows that, hey, you know, this guy's got some street smarts. And uh like 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 the fourth time he pro finally says to me, Hey, he said, Look, he said, if you want to talk to her, you can talk to her. Her boyfriend went bye bye. <laughs> That's a euphemism, right? Yeah, and I can it, figure it, that one out. Not, he didn't take he a went, trip. Uh, yeah. It's not he went to Disneyland. <laughs> and, so wind back just a little bit. One of the reasons you're saying I want to go on the record is that because you were just in the off chance that she was the wife, girlfriend, or daughter of some made guy. You were going on the record to say, look, I didn't do anything disrespectful. She That's stopped exactly, to talk to me. Exactly right. Because she was always with this guy every week, but he, you know, this is like the third week that he wasn't around. Exactly. So, uh, Hey, you know, I, I, I did not disrespect anybody in, in here. 
you know, and then finally he says, hey, if you want, the guy went bye-bye, you know, I said, okay. So uh, I, now was the bartender connected in some way or was he just the bartender that knew what was going on? No, he was, he was a connected guy. Okay. So, so now he finally, you know, with this, now he says, hey, my name is Charlie. And I say, hey, my name is Donnie. Now that's another thing too, you know, it, it, Normal people, you introduce yourself by what? Your first and last name. Here, it's your first name or your nickname. They don't say, hey, my name is Donnie Brasco. He just says, my name is Charlie. You know? My name is Donnie. And so we start BSing. You know, and that's how we got into conversation. Uh, and then one night he asked me, he says, hey, uh, you like to gamble? I said, yeah, okay. He says, I when I close up, I'm going to an after hours game. You want to come? Sure. And that's how it all started. But you just brought out something important. The reason that you got to that point is because you spent the time coming in there over and over again, even though it didn't seem like you were making progress, you were making progress each time because every time you come in there, you show the right kind of respect and you keep showing up. Charlie starts lowering his defenses to where he's all of a sudden he starts thinking, right? Like, hey, you're an okay guy. Maybe because it's a big step to invite a stranger, somebody you just finally knew their first name to a, to a, you know, go gamble somewhere in it. Yeah, sure. But that, it wasn't right away. I mean, you know, that's what I mean. It took a while. Yeah. It took a while because, you know, now at least we're, we're in conversation about, about sports, about the city, about whatever, you know? Uh, so, you know, but, but the way these guys operate, when I go to the game, he doesn't introduce me to anybody there, but I'm with him. So, you know, it's good, you know. Now you're being noticed. Yeah, being noticed. And then <clears throat> and we never discussed anything illegal. All right. The only thing illegal was was the game. So after a while, now I figure, you know, now's the time to to set the hook, hopefully. So I come in one night and I got a packet of diamonds. Right? I don't tell him what's in this envelope. I just put the envelope on the bar and I say, Charlie, I say, I need, you know, X amount of money for this envelope. You think he can do anything? He just takes it and says, I'll try. He doesn't even look at it. A couple of weeks go by, comes in. He says, Donnie, somebody left this, this envelope for me. Put it in my pocket. I get back to my apartment, and it's it's what I ask. Now, what does he know? He knows I'm a thief. Why? Because I'm not I'm not dealing in Tiffany prices. I'm dealing in swag prices. So now, when we go to the game, he's in, he introduces me as Don the Jeweler. Now he knows. I never told him I was a jewel thief, but why else would I have these diamonds? So that's how it, that's you said how an we, interesting term. You said, uh, you know, not a Tiffany thief, but a uh, swag. So w- what's the difference in price between the two? What's the difference in perception between the two? Well, you know, Tiffany's, you know, it, it, it might be $10,000. If it's swag, it might be, you know, I don't know, 5,000, 4,000 because swag is stolen. So, right. 
So yeah, so you're you're dealing. So and the other thing too, it's kind of it, it would have been an insult for you to open up the envelope and start counting money in front of him, right? It's like that's oh, kind of, of the mutual trust. Oh yeah, sure, yeah. So tell us about the success of the hook. What did that get you from that initial uh, exchange of diamonds for cash? Well, it got me introduced to uh, uh, made guys at the at the card game. Got me introduced to a Colombo guy. Uh, who, you know, start talking to me and uh, invited me out to his his uh, his place, his store social club in in uh, in Brooklyn. Uh, So, you know, I I got in with the uh, with the Columbos, hung around with them for a few uh, a few months. And then I got into a physical confrontation with with a Colombo guy uh, and I had a leave there uh was that intentional or unintentional getting into the altercation well it was it was unintentional but it was the only way i could save face is by getting into a physical confrontation with this guy um i you know i i couldn't lose my respect uh or my credibility and if i if i didn't do something uh i would have lost both uh, but I knew I couldn't go back there with these guys. Uh, so I basically went to the went to the the head of the the head of the crew, whose name was Chili, <clears throat> and you know, I I I, I told him, look, Chili, uh, no dis, and you know, everything with these guys is respect, and so you have to know that. I says, no disrespect to you, Chili. But I I can't be coming out here every day because this confrontation is going to escalate, uh, and I don't want that to happen. I don't want that to come between our friendship. And he said, "I understand, Donnie." Uh, so that's when I I hooked up with a banana a, a guy by the name of Tony Mirror, who I also had met at the game, and start hanging around with him, and that's how I got in with the bananos. So this is this is one of the stories that you told Javier and I. I think my probably the first time we ever met, we were sitting around swapping stories, and uh, and you came out of that room. So you got called into a meeting, right? Yeah, yeah. And that's one of those where you don't know if you're going to walk out. Yeah. What happened was is that <clears throat> these guys were uh, this crew were they were hijackers, uh, and burglars. You know, pretty good. Uh, so basically. These two guys had just gone out of the can. One was a made guy and one wasn't. One was one was an associate like I was at the time. Uh, and I go back to one of the one of the rules of the mafia is you never lay your hands on a made guy. You can't touch a made guy in a confrontation. That'll get you killed. All right. Uh, so these guys get out of the can. Um, they want to. They want to set up some scores. So we go case some places, and you know, being a jewel thief, I gotta know. I gotta know alarms. I gotta know uh, safes. So we go case, and I tell them I can't. I can't defeat that alarm system. Again, you have to be a real person, no matter what your expertise is. 
So they, they okay. Another one, I tell them I can't, I, 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 I can't do that safe. The only way I can get into that safe is you got to blow that safe. So now these guys are ticked off because Jilly's telling them what a great guy I am, what a you know, what a great thief I am. So I go come to the club and uh, one day and Jilly says, Donnie, let's take a walk and talk. And he says, uh, uh, Frankie wants to have a, a, a sit down. And I said, over what? Well, I told him what what a great uh, guy you were. <clears throat> And uh, you turned down two, two of their jobs, and Frankie wants it. I said, okay. So we go in the back room uh, of uh, Chili's Club, locks the door. Uh, Frankie puts a gun on the table, and he said, Donnie, unless you convince me that you're as good as Chili said, the only way you're going out of here is rolled up in that rug. So again, you know, the questions, where are you from? Uh, all right, and, you know, I did time in Miami, did time out in California. Tell me who you tell me who you 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 stole with and you thieved with. I said, I'm not giving you the names of anybody. I said, you just got out of jail. How do I know that you guys, you know, aren't working off a of beef or aren't you know yeah, cooperating? Didn't turn. I said, I'm not. Joe, real quick here at this point, before you go too far in, I want to kind of get a, a real sense too. As you're doing these operations, are you wired? I mean, how do you how do you do your ops plan? Do guys know where you are at this time? Or are you just out there in the wind by yourself? I'm by myself. Yeah, yeah. So you go uh, into this sit down, and it's yeah, just nothing, Joe Pistone. Yeah, just me. I, I had the only time I had surveillance was when I was. Uh, I was going to a meeting uh, after three guys were killed and I, I was pretty sure that I was going to get a contract to kill somebody. I had a transmitter on. That's the only, you know, uh, any other, any other tapes were, were telephone, you know, okay. I recorded, I recorded a telephone. So how'd but, you talk your way out of this then? The gun's on the table and you got to convince him. What's well, your story? I, you know, back and forth and, you know, you never admit to anything and you just, uh, you know, uh, you always want to go on the offensive. You know, you never want to be on a defensive. Uh, finally, after about <clears throat> four and a half hours, uh, Jilly finally says, hey, that's it. <laughs> Did you get a oh, right bathroom break? <laughs> <laughs> no, no pee break. Oh man. Jilly says, that's it. It's over. You know, Donnie's been with us for several months and he's, a, you know, now my problem is these guys called me out. So I can't shake their hands and say, Hey, I realize your, you know, your concerns. The only thing they understand now is a physical confrontation. I got to be pissed off. I can't, you know, so Frankie, I can't do anything to Frankie because he's a made guy. But the other guy's Patsy, I can. I can whack him because he's not a made guy. So as we get up, I deck him. I just start wailing on him because I got to be pissed off. I got to be, you know, that's the only way I save my credibility uh, and respect. And then they, they break it up. And that's when I tell Jilly that, you know, I can't I can't come around here anymore. So 
from a physical standpoint, was this guy, was he about your size? Were you smaller than him? You know, you know, who was the bigger dog in the fight here? They were all about the same. We were all about the same size, six foot, 180 pounds, 185 pounds. Uh, but, uh, well, well, I'm, well, I'm willing on him. Frankie's willing on me, <laughs> but I can't do anything because I can't hit him because he's a big guy, you know? So how, how did that end up? Did that get you the amount of respect or save you respect you were hoping it would? Is that what well, was expected of you to do is to, is to, you know, smack this guy around based on what he accused you of? Yeah, of course. Because if I, if I don't, it's, it's, why isn't Donnie pissed off? He was just called out. You know, so now your your respect goes. Once you lose, once they lose that respect for you, you're done. Uh, so. Uh, and that's when I again, that's when I hooked up with the Bananos and it, it was a it, it was a good thing that it happened uh, because I don't I don't know how how far well i probably would have went far with the columbos too because these guys were were wired in but uh the bonanno guys were you know mirror mirror had just gotten out of the can and he was pretty wired in with uh, as a bonanno guy yeah so how long into this operation are you at this point are you months a couple years in when this happens probably uh Probably nine, ten months, ten months, yeah, eleven months, yeah. Okay, because like I said, I know there's a lot of stuff, and uh, we hadn't really Murph and I hadn't talked about this, but as we were talking to you, everybody just wants to talk about the story. How'd you become, you know? And like I said, I kind of wanted to dive into the other stuff because the thing mm -hmm. is, uh, let me tell you what, dude, you talk about a grande set of huevos. You're out there by yourself going to a sit down, and they put a gun on the table, and the only thing you got to save your ass is your ability to talk your way out of it. I yeah, mean, I never carried a gun during this operation. Uh, the only so time I, the only time I carried a gun was the guys that I was with, the Bonanos that I was with whacked three other Bonanno guys, Capos. So now there's a shooting war in the Bonanno family. And Sonny Black, who was my capo at the time, gave me a gun to carry. Otherwise, I never carried a gun during the operation. Now, were you ever searched um, during this time, like for the sit down? Did they pat you down, search you for anything? No, because at that time I was pretty much in with in with Jilly and his crew, you know. Uh, so no, but in the beginning, yeah, in the beginning, I was, you know. They give you a hug and they go up and down your back and you know to see it's, the they don't, it's not that they like you. Hey, come here, you know, yeah. pat you down. You know? Yeah. So and you know, with the Italians, every time you go to the club, you got a hug, you got a kiss, and you know, uh uh so you know, the time I did carry uh a recorder, I went to Radio Shack and I bought a mini cassette. And I had it in my in my sport coat pocket, or I had it in my boot. Um, but I have no uh, on on a, a no daily, FBI issued stuff on you at anywhere. No, a daily basis, 
uh, nightly basis, no surveillance. Uh -uh. Now, did you have to make contact with your uh, handler on, on a, I mean, what, what was your pattern for establishing that you were still alive that to do your check-ins? Was it just by phone or did you guys meet, physically meet too? I would meet him once a month to get money, to get cash. Uh, but basically it was telephone. And the only time I would call him was if I had information of value, I would regurgitate it to him on a telephone and he would reduce it to paper. Uh, and what I mean by information of value, if I knew or thought it was uh, valuable intelligence information or information about a crime that could be used, you know, uh, in a courtroom. Uh, otherwise, I didn't just call him every day to say, hi, how you doing? Uh, I had to have something to regurgitate to him that uh, that was of importance. So what about daily, like, uh, so this constituted then your documentation during the cases, you call in your handler and say, hey, here's what's going on. In other words, you're not sitting down writing any kind of reports on a daily or weekly basis and sending them off to FBI headquarters. No, that was his job. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And, and sometimes I, you know, I, I wouldn't, I, I wouldn't talk to him sometimes for maybe a week, two weeks. If I didn't have anything important, I, you know, like I said, what am I going to talk to him about? You know? You know, and and I love the way that that we're doing this interview because you've been interviewed so many times. You got books out, you got the movie out. People can find out the story about uh, Donnie Brasco in a lot of different places. I love the the way we're doing this interview. But what brought this to it? What brought your investigation to an end? What? Why did it stop? We just fed well, up with it. What happened was is that. Uh, uh, in the beginning, uh, when I when I first got with the Bananos, uh, I told you I hooked up with Tony Mira. Tony Mira goes to jail, and then uh, my my mob mentor or partner uh, was a guy by the name of Ruggiero, Lefty Ruggiero, another Bonanno made guy. Uh, so I start hanging around with him, uh, Little Italy. Our capo was a guy by the name of Mike Sabella. The boss at the time was Carmine Lilo Galenti. They whacked him, all right? They make the boss a guy by the name of Rusty Ristelli who's in jail. Uh, when you say they whack, who's the they in this whacking? Mm -hmm. That for for uh, Galente? Yeah, who, who, who did the whacking? It was uh, some Bonanno guys. Uh... uh and with the with the consent of of the Gambinos, because you can't whack a boss without the gets without the okay that other 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 bosses in the family. So, you know, what mafia. conditions had to be in place for them to okay the whacking of one of their own bosses? I mean, was this guy what what offense does a a made guy like well, that make to to make him eligible for the death penalty? One of his one of his. Uh, discretion but he controlled all the importation of narcotics into the u.s for the mob for the mob and he wouldn't he wouldn't share any of this with with any of the other families he was the biggest uh in in, in importer okay and plus he wanted to become 
you know, boss of bosses, so to speak. Uh, so that's why they, 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 they whacked them. Uh, so what they do then is they, they put, uh, they put me and Lefty Ruggiero under a capo by the name of Sonny Black Napolitano in Brooklyn. So now we got to report to Brooklyn every day. A guy by the name of Rusty Ristelli's the boss, but he's in a can. Uh, what does it mean to report to Brooklyn every day? What's what's well, that you have to whatever crew you're with, whoever your capo is, whoever your captain is, you got to report into him every day. So Sonny's black headquarters and base was Brooklyn. He was a Brooklyn guy. So we had to go to Brooklyn every day. Uh, there were there were three three capos in the family that were loyal uh to Galenti. They didn't like Ristelli, so they wanted to take over the family, so now there's a there's a beef in the family. Uh what happens now with this beef is uh they they call a sit down, which is a meeting to settle to settle the situation. When the three guys, the three other capos show up, uh, Sonny Black, there's another big capo by the name of Joey Messina, and the Sicilian faction of the Bananos, <clears throat> they kill these three guys. So now there's a, there's a war going on. Uh, Sonny Black gives me the, the contract to kill four guys who were supposed to show up. Only three showed up. He gives me the contract to kill a guy that didn't show up. So with this shooting war going on, that's basically why the operation was uh, was ended uh, because of the war, you know, uh, within the family. Yeah, I was going to get a lot of yeah, a lot of lead was flying. So, but to Murph's point, that's what stopped it. But some prior to that, um, we don't want to gloss over it too much. But we don't we didn't want to focus all our time on it. You became a made guy. Well, I, I or did I, you? I, I no, I was proposed for membership. Okay. Uh, Sonny, Sonny Black proposed me for membership in the Bonanno family. I was going to get inducted into the Bonanno family in December. But uh, the FBI closed the operation July 27th. Now, that's the only time that I said, hey, let's not close this. I mean, I'm going to get inducted into the family in December. Let's go to December. Can you imagine the devastation when they find out they inducted a, a, an undercover FBI agent in, into the family? Um, but the bureau wouldn't go wouldn't go along with it, so I didn't get inducted. I I was proposed for membership, though. I was going to get inducted. Why the long wait? Do they? Is it? Uh, is this just because they <laughs> they expect some vacancies to happen? Like more people are going to get whacked, or no, what? No, what they what they do is they you know they what they say they say open the books. They don't open the books all the time to make members. So that was just the time that that all the bosses agreed to open the books for every family to induct members. Uh, and what what I'm sorry. Go ahead. What, no, what happens is that. Like Sonny Black proposes me, so he puts it. He puts my name before all the captains in the in the uh, in the family, and they got to vote on it. They got to give you an up or down, and I got an up vote on you know on everybody. So 
I was going to be made in December. Yeah. Yeah. Had you attended any induction ceremonies before that? No, you, 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 you can't, can't in, unless you're a made guy. In, unless you're going to get inducted. Yeah. Or if you're a made guy. Yeah. Had you had you had people that you worked with uh, been inducted? You know, some of the folks towards the end were some of the guys you're working with uh, go through the ceremony. Well, they all were, you know, I mean, uh, they were all made guys. Yeah. No, I meant, yeah. but some of the ones that you rose up the ranks with that weren't made guys at that no, they point. Were made, they were made guys before I got in. Yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah. What, what kind anybody, of... Anybody, anybody would have been inducted at that time. They would have been inducted with me in December. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. What kind of... It's almost like doing a background check, right? So by that point, is there any additional background that is done on you when they propose you? Um, or is it just simply because you've done your time, you've been there? I mean, you're going on six years now and it's like, hey, this guy's proved his worth. He's done our stuff. Or was there any additional hoops or uh, stuff that you had to go through to get proposed? No, by that time, as long as uh, Sonny Black and Lefty, they vouched for me, uh, I was okay. Because, you know, like I said, I had been with him so long. Uh, they had gone to the, the to the Columbos. They went to Jilly. And uh, asked him about my time with them, and you know, he everything was positive with him. So that that basically would, was it. Yeah. So you passed the background investigation. Yeah, right. <laughs> had a good bi going. Yeah, good well, thing. Good thing you didn't spend any time on the applicant squad then. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? So so when this is all over, and I think I read there was over two hundred indictments. Is that right? Does that sound right? I had actually, I had 245 convictions. Wow. Jeez. That's what so, we had. Yeah. I'm sure that uh, once you know they saw your happy face in court and realized, oh, crap, Donnie Brasco is really Joe Pistone. What was the fallout on that for the mafia? Well, they, uh, they put a $500,000 contract out on me, and they sent guys out to all the places that I had been with these guys, you know, to California, to, 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 to Florida. Was this a uh, multi-family um, cooperation agreement going on or was there one specific yeah. family that had the hit? Just everybody was after, you know, yeah, it was put out by the, by the uh, commission, by the bosses. Yeah. All the bosses. Yeah. Jeez. Well, rewind for a second, just during this time, um, when you had that sit down and the gun was put on the table, was that the closest you felt like you came to not walking out of the place or was there any other incidents? Well, it was, it was a couple incidents with, with, uh, I had with Tony Mira, uh, before he, well, after he got out of the can, uh, he had, he had put in a couple beefs against me with the bosses. Uh, because he, it, it was all over jealousy that I was tight with, with, uh, Lefty and Sonny Black, who Sonny Black was one of the, the, uh, guys, the capos that was running the family. And I was tight with him. So Mira had put a beef in and, uh, <clears throat> said that I had stolen $250,000 in a drug deal. Uh, and that's one of the no-nos is you don't, you don't steal money from the family. Uh, so they had to sit down over that. If I lose the sit down, I, they kill me. Uh, but Sonny Black won it. Uh, I mean, so this guy, he, he put three 
three beefs in against me with three sit downs that if, if Sonny Black loses them, they kill me. Uh, but he won, he won all three. And you know, what a sit down is, is that, uh, they bring their guys to lie and you, you bring your guys. Well, I, my side was a lion because I never stole $250,000, but Mira brought guys in that were loyal to him that said, uh, that I, they were there when I stole them, when I took the money in the drug deal and didn't turn it into the family. So uh, how did Sonny end up winning the sit down then? What, what, uh, I mean, is this like, is this going on like a trial? You have cross-examination, you know, direct evidence, or is, how does it, how does it work to when you yeah, finally they, get to they, the point? They present, well, there, there's a, there, there's a mediator, so to speak. Uh, they present their case. Sonny presents his case, you know, both sides present their case. And then the guy that makes the decision, you know, makes the decision. And uh, once the decision is made, there's no appeal process. You know, you don't, you don't spend years and uh, waiting for an appeal. It's, Here's the decision. Bang, bang. That's it. Move on. So how was what was presented on your behalf that swayed the uh, mediator to to believe Sonny and win the sit down? Well, Sonny just, you know, just went through all the stuff about Mira, uh, you know, different different things that he had lied about, et cetera. Uh, and uh so he did what a defense Mike. witness does to any prosecution witness, right? You basically walk them through all the lies they've done and say, hey, look, yeah, he's not credible. Yeah. Yeah, basically. And then, you know, he, he puts down his his case and, that, you know, uh, but, you know, the, the deck could be stacked. You know, I mean, uh, if the mediator doesn't like one side or the other, he's going with the other side, you know. Now was so, two hundred fifty thousand actually stolen out of a dope deal? Was two fifty k missing? No. Okay. No. Did you First, ever unless, consider unless they those, stole it? <laughs> yeah, I didn't know of any money missing. No. Of those three sit downs, did you ever consider? You know, enough is enough. I'm getting out of this crap. Maybe like no. after the first one, you're going, okay, what am I doing here? <laughs> yeah, now exactly. I'm going back for a second, third, and a fourth time. This time the guy puts a gun on the table. And the third time no. could be a charm, you know? Yeah. We call that know, a clue, guys, Joe. I mean, I just, yeah. you know. <laughs> you know, you guys know you've been on it. You know, you've been on a job. You know, you know something? The only time I thought about danger was now, after it was all over. And you know, recounting some of this stuff and you say, why the F did I do that? What the hell was I thinking? Was I thinking? Yeah. Here, you know, hold my go, beer. I'm going to be gone for six years. I'll be back. You know, what the hell was I thinking about doing that? Well, you know, especially so, by yourself. Like, you know, you're out there. I mean, I, I'm, I'm sleeping at Sonny, Sonny Black's apartment sometimes. Well, so, so here we are. All these years later, obviously they they did not successfully carry out the contract, and and I understand it was withdrawn because they realized killing a federal, especially an FBI agent, would probably be a significant blowback on all the families. Correct? Well, they you know they discuss it, but we haven't had. I mean, look, do I think somebody's out there actively every day looking at looking for me? No. Uh, what do you what do you think about you think about some cowboy that says, hey man, 
if I whack Donnie Brasco, I'm going to make my same name for myself in the mob. Is the mob going to give him 500000 I doubt it. Yeah. They're going to they're going to turn around and whack this guy. And say, what the hell were you thinking? If stuff is yeah. just calmed down, we got enough yeah. shit going on, pal. Yeah. But uh, and and you the, you answered the question I was going to follow up with. But knowing that you're still intelligently cautious, you still show oh, yeah. up on this podcast with the hat and dark glasses <laughs> on and a nondescript background, and we had to tell you we're not recording video. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know. Where I where I reside, my neighbors, you know, they they don't know my true identity and stuff. So, you know, and as long as I've known Joan, I, I don't know what city you live in, and I won't ask. But it was a good ride. I mean, everything turned out good. Knock on wood. You know. Hey, but that's what. Yeah. Hold on, though. Last kind of thing. Let's let's kind of finish out with this. I want to talk about what you did. Uh, I don't want to make an assumption, but it had to hurt your relationship with your daughters, you know, with your wife, with your family, because you can't be gone for six years like this and not have an impact. What did you, what was the biggest struggle for you once you got out of this operation? Well, to get back, to get back to the house and, 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 and think you're the man of the house. <laughs> They've been doing it without you for six years, right? <laughs> we don't, we don't need you to be telling us, you know, you're like a, a temp employee coming in here, you know? <laughs> <laughs> that was the toughest thing, you know, and, and, and the, the kids are pretty good. I, you know, all my kids turned out good, you know, uh, but that was the toughest thing is, is coming back and, and realizing, hell, they got along fine without me and they, they're, they can still get along without me, you know. You know, there's, and there's one thing I want to bring up just before we finish this out, because, um, you know, I've sat with Joe for hours and hours and hours over the years and, and just, he's still, I love hearing his stories and, and uh, it's just fascinating what you did. But when, and one of the, we had a couple conversations about the, the movie Donnie Brasco with Johnny Depp. And there's one scene in particular that really ticked you off. And I want, I want the world, I want all our listeners to know the true story about all that. four of them. We want all wife. four listeners to understand this. That's right. And you know what I'm talking about. So yeah, I'll just I, let you run. I, I with do. It. And I and this is what when I give lectures or, or or undercover schools, the first thing I tell them, how many of you saw the movie? And the hands go up and I say, I never slap my wife. That scene in the movie is Hollywood. And that wasn't in the original script. And uh that was put in the script later on and I didn't know about it. And, uh, the day they were shooting that, I went ballistic, you know, uh, about that scene being in there. Uh, but unfortunately, you know, the directors, he's the captain of the ship. And, you know, if he says it's going to be in there, it's going to stay in there. But again, I never slapped my wife in the movie or in real life. <laughs> I mean, in a movie I did, but it's yeah, only in the but movie. Not in real life. And that's when you told us the story, Maggie, Maggie confirmed that 100% <laughs> accurate. So it's, hey, uh, and after six a, years, if you had tried that, she would have knocked you on your ass going, pal, we hey, got hey, along hey. fine without you. 
She's a tough, <laughs> tough Irish lady. She wouldn't, she wouldn't handle that stuff, believe me. Hey, let me ask you Can a I, final – go ahead, Murphy. I, I got a I final question. Bring, yeah. I just wanted to bring that up because I knew it was important to you, and we want – you know, we all know Hollywood won't let the truth get in the way yeah. of telling a good story. Yeah. And, well, and, you know that from, from your TV work. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. But I wanted the world to know the truth. You know, you did not slap Maggie. She yeah, did beat you. you to death. <laughs> hey, so Murph kind of brought it up. I want to finish with this last question. Um you have been on, I can't count the number of interviews you've done, TV shows you've been on. Let me ask you that first, because I have a question that goes with it. So how many interviews do you think you've done about Donnie Brasco, whether it's like podcasts to radio to television, movies, books, things like that? How many things do you think you've done? Oh, my God, Morgan. I, 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 I don't have that slightest idea. I mean, it's hundreds. Hundreds. I ask you that to ask you this because we tried to do something a little different. We just didn't want to do the same thing. Tell us about Donnie Brasco, how you did it. What's right. the one question you've never been asked that you wish somebody would have asked you, or something, a point you want to make that has never been brought up, you know, in these other things before? We tried to take a little bit different path, but I'm curious is there anything that has never been asked of you about this that you want to bring out about your career or about uh, Donnie Brasco or anything like that? I can't think of anything now. I mean, I've been asked almost every question. Uh, the one question I was asked is that uh, uh, that I thought was kind of funny by somebody. Uh, do you still have your kids? You know? Uh, and the answer is yeah. You know, I mean... After I got done explaining that, you know, uh, it's the only wife I've ever had and the only kids I've ever had, you know. But no, I I, I think I've been asked, I mean, everything under the sun, I can't think of anything that. Uh, well, here's one I bet one question you've ever never been asked, and this comes from the movie The French Connection. Have you ever picked your toes in Poughkeepsie? <laughs> Well, that was, that was Popeye City. Doyle, Gene Hackman. Popeye Doyle, Gene Hackman. Yeah. Now, hey, well, let's yeah. let's finish out with this. Anybody's contemplating going into a uh, going into law enforcement because it is a much different environment than it was for me, for you, for the other folks now. But if somebody wants to work, if because I know you teach a lot of classes on this, but in this day and age, what's your advice for somebody who's thinking about, hey, I'd like to do this kind of work. I want to go into law enforcement. Well, going into law enforcement, I think is tough now. In fact, you know, I got a slew of family in law enforcement right now, from uh, from uniform to uh, uh, federal agents. Uh, I mean, I got a lot of relatives right now. I mean, close relatives in law enforcement. Uh, and the one thing I tell them is stay out of undercover. Uh, I don't, you know, I don't encourage anybody to get into undercover work. Uh, not the way things go today. Uh, look, it's hard to get any administrators to back you. And the, and the, the, the fastest way to get into trouble is to work undercover, right? I mean, you know. Uh, it's a very different the, time now. Yeah, that would be my, uh, you know, advice is, 
even though I do undercover schools, I don't, you know, I'm just there to give them, give them, uh, points to keep them alive. Uh, I don't encourage anybody to get into the undercover field. That is a, but Hey, it's a realistic answer. So, you know, look, we appreciate you taking this different journey with us because we just didn't want to focus on the story and talk about yeah. the movie and meeting Johnny no, Depp. You, you've done that a million times. I think the thing that really humanizes this is I think what was tougher on you, considering how much of a family guy you are, it was the time away from the wife and the kids. The work was kind of like, hey, I can do the work all the time, right? But um, yeah. like you say, getting that time back, missing the communion, missing the ball games and stuff, that's stuff that uh, you live with for the rest of your life. And it's like, how do you exactly. make up for it? And I think you make up for it by being a good, decent guy like you are and doing the right thing. And um, regardless of how you got treated and then come back, it's like, I think at the end of the day, when uh, when they take stock of, you know, who's done what, uh, you're going to you're going to come out well, my friend, because you've done what I can't think of anybody would do for six years. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. No, and and I'm, I'll say, Joe, too, it's been a, a true honor, pleasure to have you on here. I know, you know we've been trying to do this for quite some time. And, yeah. Um, you're always energetic when we're exchanging texts and trying to set up appointments and everything. And I always get the thumbs up and the flag and the sunglasses. I love the emojis <laughs> you sent with it. Um, and he's got so many more stories, Morgan. I mean, just some of the stories about Johnny Depp and 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 how that all came about and, and the relationship. Well, we'll, we'll do it on we'll do it another one. We'll, we'll have, oh, to, we'll have to do a special Johnny Depp episode. Captain Jack Sparrow. There you, know, you go. Nothing you know, wrong with I know that, that guy's I know he's controversial, but I love him as an actor. I think he's. Uh, well, I think I'll tell he's you what, I'll tell you what. He may be controversial, but I. Uh, he's such a good guy. I well, mean, yeah, Maggie told Maggie told me some stories about. I mean, and and like I said, that's another time. Well, what we'll happens yeah. to do this because you know what? There's an interesting thing. Episode number two of ours was George Young, who Johnny Depp played in the movie Blow. So we have a couple right. connections now. Yeah. A guests that have been on our podcast that Johnny Depp has played them in a movie. You know, we just <laughs> <That's right. laughs> think about that. I just think of this as the day you almost caught Captain Jack Sparrow. I just don't want to. <laughs> well, hey, look, Joe, this is me saluting you, sir, saying thank you for your service to our country. Thank you. Thank you. Be careful, guys. Be careful. Nah, man, love you like a brother, Joe. I can't uh, wait yeah, to see you Yeah, love you guys, time. too. Don't Thanks. you guys hang on. Everybody, don't go anywhere. Stay tuned for the debrief. I mean, what what can you say, dude? I mean, is a, a legend. Uh, the first thing came years, to mind when you said that is we told you so. We told you so. We told you it's like we warned you about Derek Maltz. We tried to warn you. We told you so. <laughs> and and look, we were kind of constrained for time, but trust me, we could have gone on with Joe for hours. Just the just the stories he has about one month of his work mm-hmm. could be an entire series of podcasts. And the, the fact that this guy is out there, and when I mean out there, he is out there. No safety net. He, remember the one meeting he goes into? No gun. And if he loses the sit down, he dies. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know what? And and I don't think that we covered this, but I've asked Joe before, do you ever go back to New York City? He does. And he even goes back into the areas where he worked undercover. And he says occasionally he'll get recognized, but he doesn't linger in those areas. He just he goes in, does what he has to do, and gets out. But Hit and run. Oh, yeah. And even at his age today, the man still got balls of brass. That's why they called him Donnie Brasco. There you go. Should have called him Donnie Brass Balls.
Well, I tried to. That's what I, you know. <laughs> but anyway, hey, guys. But again, like I said, we hope you guys enjoyed this. We're bringing you high-quality stuff. Uh, and, and this, look, when we say we bring you folks that have done stuff of legend, this is stuff of legend. To this day, he still teaches undercover. He talks to these guys about this. And uh, imagine, imagine six years out there, hardly seeing your family, uh, and you know that one wrong word, a slip-up, failure to do something uh, means your family may never discover what happened to you. Right. And, and just remember, and he, I specifically addressed this with him, he did not slap his wife the way it depicted in the show. That was that straight is, out of Hollywood. Boy, and he came out of the chair when we talked about that. So, oh, that's, When he talks about it to you in person, he still gets pissed off. And Maggie's sitting right next to him when he was telling us a story. He said, Maggie, you tell him, did I ever strike you? And she's like, if he struck me, he wouldn't be getting up right now. That's right. <laughs> you go, girl. The only two hits, me hitting you, pal, and you hitting the floor. That's, That's the only right. thing that would look like. So anyway, we hope you guys enjoyed that. Like I said, uh, Joe Pistone, freaking legend. Um, but if you like that episode, head on over to Apple and Spotify. Hit give, hit those five stars. Give us five stars. We don't know how it works. It's magic. It's Disney. You know, it's David Copperfield. It's David Blaine, Penn and Teller. All that good stuff. We don't know how it works, but it really helps us. And head on over to GameOfCrimesPodcast.com for more info about the show. You know, we, we put a lot of our stuff up there, books, things like that. Also, follow us on that thing they call social media, at Game of Crimes on Twitter, at Game of Crimes Podcast on Facebook and the Instagram. And head on over to PayPal.com. Just use our email, Podcast at gmail.com or PayPal.me slash Game of Crimes, whatever it makes it easier for you to support the show. And Steve, I mean, you folks, if you'd been on Patreon, you would have known we were going to be talking to Joe Pistone, our case of the month we just did about the Parkland shooting and the jury trial. Um, we just got a ton of stuff over at patreon.com slash Game of Crimes, don't we? Absolutely. Come and check us out. Um, give us your comments. If you see things that you would like to, that we're not doing that you'd like us to do, or you, there were the things we're doing you think are screwed up, hey, we're open to, con to constructive criticism. Just because we have a difference of opinion doesn't mean we can't be friends. Why can't we be friends? Why can't we all just get along? Why can't we all just get along? <laughs> all right. So if you want to get along with us, there's an easy way. Just uh, head on over to patreon.com slash game of crimes. Join up. Find out what all the fun is about. We have a ton of content, various content that you guys are going to love. But again... We want to bring this to a close today by thanking you guys once again for being our players. Thank you guys for listening to us. Thank you guys for supporting the show. And thank you once again for playing, as you saw in this episode, the biggest, baddest, most dangerous game of all, the Donnie Brasco-friendly Joe Pistone made of legend, Game of Crimes. <laughs> <laughs>